Let me invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 37, uh, the sermon series that we are uh, in uh, that will go through the end of the month of June is uh, asking the question, how are you feeling and looking at our emotions? The emotion that we're going uh, to tackle this morning through a study uh, of Psalm 37 is the emotion of anger. Uh, anger is probably one of the paramount emotions that many of us uh, are feeling right now in our lives. As we look uh, at what is happening in our culture, we look at the injustice. Uh, we look at the incredible pain and hurt uh, that some are feeling, the killings of George Floyd, uh, Ahmed Aubrey, and others uh, just remind us uh, how far we have to go in treating one another with just simple respect and human dignity, uh, just loving one another in, in simple ways. And when you see these types of images, you, you have these types of experiences right in front of you. Uh, one of the emotions, I'll speak for myself, one of my emotions is a deep anger, uh, and a deep anger that comes from, from frustration at the continuing of, of sin being so paramount uh, in the way that we treat one another. I read a few uh, quotes about anger this week that just kind of helped me process. It helped me think they, they didn't necessarily offer any particular answers, but uh, it was good to just think through them. Mark Twain once wrote, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Eleanor Roosevelt said, anger is one letter short of danger. James Baldwin, uh, the famous black playwright and activist of the 20th century, wrote, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. And going back thousands of years, Aristotle said, anybody can become angry, that is easy, but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power, and it is not easy. What does the Christian do with our anger? Let's turn our attention to Psalm 37. I've actually invited four different friends to help read the scripture this morning because it's 40 verses long. Uh, so if you would uh, read along in your Bibles and pay attention to your screen as some of our friends read the scripture for us this morning. Let's hear God's word. It's Ellie Marshall, and I'll be doing the reading of Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. The evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. 
But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those ways upright. The sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of the many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart, his steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright. For there is a future for the man of peace, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Will you pray with me? I'm going to ask we just take a moment of silent prayer and ask you at home to, uh, or wherever you may be, to just ask the Lord uh, to speak to you this morning, and then I'll, I'll pray for us in just a minute. <clears throat>
Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that what the psalmist writes uh, cuts deep into our circumstances today. Uh, His emotions speak to the emotions that we feel. And he reminds us that we are to lean into you, that we are to, above all else, trust in you. To not trust in our, our own judgment, to not Assume that what looks like evil prevailing will last forever, but rather to understand that in your sovereign grace and mercy, you will make all things right. Father, that at times is difficult and challenging for us to believe when we look in our own lives and our own sin, but also when we look in the world around us and the effects of sin. Lord, it's certainly in in this time, in our generation, in our day, uh, I, I, I am struggling with my own anger. Uh, I'm sure many of us are uh, feeling uh, angry. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us about anger this morning. That your word and your wisdom uh, would help us to uh, embrace the anger that is good and is actually helpful in this moment, uh, but also to acknowledge that there is a, a pathway of anger that can be harmful for us. Father, we pray that you would allow us to to follow you uh, into these emotions uh, in order that our souls may experience your presence, your your goodness, uh, your eternal truth, but also, Lord, then that you would use us in our families, in our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in our communities uh, for your glory and for uh, the good of all people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Psalm 37, I think uh, what we see here fundamentally is that Jesus' disciples, those of us that are, that are following Jesus, uh, claim to be following Jesus, we must evaluate our anger through the lens of God's wisdom. Uh, I want to offer a clarification right off the bat because I think in, in many respects, uh, we often uh, just simply buy into the notion that the emotion of anger uh, is bad. Uh, that you should should not be angry. That that's a, a negative response that isn't helpful. Uh, and I want to remind us this morning that God has created all of our emotions. And yes, all of our emotions are impacted by uh, our sin, uh, by our broken relationship with God because of our rebellion against Him. We are flawed people. Uh, to suggest otherwise would go contrary to what the Bible teaches. But it does not mean. Uh, that emotion is all. That emotion of anger is always wrong. The emotion of anger is not a sin. Look at what Paul writes uh, to the Ephesian Christians: Be angry, have that emotion, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, that's that's a very helpful, very practical verse uh, in all kinds of ways. Uh, but in particular, just think of your family relationships. Think about. Being in a tiff with somebody in your household, especially the last few months where we've had a whole lot more time in our households than maybe uh, we, we normally do. And think about going to bed with bad feelings. Think about going to bed with anger in your heart. You toss, you turn, you don't sleep, you're agitated. Uh, but think about examining that anger and understanding it for what it is and maybe for seeing a good aspect of it, but also seeing if there's a negative aspect to it and confessing that sin not only to God, but to a child with whom you are angry in a wrongful way or a spouse or a parent 
uh, and being able to lay that at the feet of the cross. So uh, the emotion of anger is not a sin, but unchecked, uh, you know, kind of a quick-tempered, hurtful, damaging emotion is sin. Again, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Paul clearly says there's a place where anger is sin. So how, how do we gauge? How do we approach this emotion of anger? How do I know if maybe anger is controlling me uh, and maybe doing harm to my life? I'm going to have four observations uh, out of Psalm 37 this morning. We're not going to go in order. We're not going to study all 40 verses. That would be an impossibility. But rather, we're going to, we're going to glean four different themes uh, out of the, the, the psalm uh, that hopefully will apply to this question today. Let me also remind you before I jump into the first point, uh, at the end of the service, we always take time. We stick around. Uh, if you want to text or send in questions for us, we'll tackle some of those questions. So if, as I'm going along, you go, hmm, I'm not sure about that, Tom. You know, feel free to, to send that question or that thought in, and we'll address it uh, at the end of the service. So the first of my four observations in this text is that, that the response to anger uh, seems to be somewhat odd. The psalmist, David, says, don't be fearful, don't fret. And he says that on three different occasions. He says in verse 1, fret not yourself, because of evildoers. In verse 7, he says, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And then again in verse 8, fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. This seems to be a bit odd to me, uh, that the response that David gives to anger is to not be afraid. And so I, I have to kind of back up a minute and say, well, how in my life, in my experience, are anger and fear connected? Are, are there any dots there that, that I can connect? And when I stopped and thought about it for a, minute, for a few minutes, I thought about the things that typically make me angry, I, I, I get, uh, or typically make me fearful that can lead to anger. Uh, I'm afraid that wrong won't be righted. I'm afraid that, that some of the uh, injustice that we have seen and experienced, not just recently, but uh, over hundreds of years in this country, will will never ultimately be addressed. I get angry at unfairness. Uh, my my friend across the the street, Pastor Ed Spiller, told me of a time when he was driving through uh, through Kirkwood uh, as a young uh, African American teenager, and he got pulled over by a police officer. And he said the only reason he got pulled over because he was a black kid driving through a white neighborhood. When I heard that story, I just got angry. So that, that just isn't right. There's, a, there's an unfairness there. Uh, there's a harm that's done to, to people's psyche when they're treated that way. And of course, that I can also apply it to myself when I get fearful, when I feel like I'm being treated unfairly or I'm being harmed. And I think I narrowed it down to this notion that, that fretting, the reason I fret, that's a great old word to fret, the reason I'm afraid is probably because I feel powerless. I can't step in and correct something. It's interesting when I've, I've looked back uh, on my family of origin recently in a, in a pretty intense way, and I, I recall that my dad, uh, who did a lot of, lot of things right, uh, a lot of good things, but my dad was an imposing guy. He was a big man. Uh, he was an authoritative kind of guy. And uh, the emotion that often I 
uh, would have with my dad, because I'm looking in his eyes or I'm hearing the tone of his voice, uh, would be fear. Uh, now, my dad never laid a hand on me. I don't ever remember being spanked by my dad, but he was this imposing figure that could just look at you a certain way or could, he could just say Thomas in, in just the right way, and it literally made me very fearful. But eventually, I noticed that over the course of my life, that fear turned to anger. I didn't like being afraid. I didn't like feeling like I was out of control. And so when I read the psalmist's words here, uh, you know, fret not because uh, of things that are amiss, uh, or fret not because that just is going to probably lead you uh, down an evil pathway, that actually is probably a good response to thinking about my anger. It's a good place to start. Refraining, excuse me, responding to my anger uh, am I responding because there's fear in my heart? And if that's the case, then what do I do with that? Now, I'm just going to mention something in verse 3, but, but actually we're going to look at it more in detail when we get to our fourth observation. But verse 3 starts out, out this way uh, in Psalm 37. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. Uh, excuse me, that's verse 8. Verse 3, I put the wrong verse in there. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Let me read that again because I put the wrong verse on the screen. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. When I begin to feel angry out of fear, uh, I can actually begin to address that emotion through God's grace to me. I can trust in the Lord. We're going to talk more about that. But then I can actually begin to, to, to do some good for other folks. That anger can actually be turned into a motivation to care for others and to befriend faithfulness, to be one that can be counted on. Uh, because I've perhaps seen an injustice and I've wrestled with that anger, but now I want to make a positive impact. So not being afraid perhaps is a good uh, first step in how do we, uh, how do we live out this emotion uh, in our lives at times when it is anger. Secondly, uh, and we just read in verse 8, the psalmist says, refrain from anger. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So I, I looked up the word refrain, and refrain means this. Stop oneself from doing something. Stopping one's self from doing something. Which is not the same as saying don't feel it. It's not the same as saying never be angry. Rather, it's a word of caution. It's, it's the yellow light, so to speak, as you're approaching the intersection of your uh, emotions and your relationship with others. What the, what the psalmist is doing here is he's warning us that there may be danger ahead. Uh, my wonderful bride, Cindy, uh, goes once a month, as she's just been able to go back for the first time uh, recently, to someone who does uh, her hair for her. Uh, and she loves this person, and she loves uh, how professional and great she is at doing this. But whenever Cindy comes home uh, from getting her hair done, she says four words to me. And she says the same four words pretty much every time. What do you think? Those four words uh, seem to be innocent. They seem to be asking for an opinion. 
they seemed to be inquiring as to my impression of her hair. But I've learned that that's actually a caution sign. <laughs> that actually what Cindy is hoping, because she loves me and, and she wants to please me just like I want to please her, she's hoping that I'll say I'm pleased with you. I think it looks great. I think it looks wonderful because I love you, because I think you're wonderful and you're great. Uh, in, the, in the same way that, that words can be cautious in a marriage relationship or uh, in a friendship in, in a humorous way, here I think the, the author is deadly serious in saying just be ever so careful when anger begins to crop up in your life. Feeling anger ought to make me evaluate kind of the, the why. Again, I've, I've used this term and, and you might be getting a little tired of it, but be self-curious. Why am I angry right now? What's the emotion that, that is triggering that? Or what is the event uh, that's happening in my life? Is it, is it, uh, is it a good response to be uh, angry right now? It's, I'm validating the response it's there, or the anger. It's there. Now I've got to dig a little deeper. And I've got to begin to explore the why. And I think Aristotle didn't even realize how, how Christian he sounded in his quote. But he's right when he said, this isn't easy, this isn't simple. And I would add that, that it, it's only really through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can have the maturity of faith to kind of stop ourselves in that moment and, and to be curious about what we're feeling. Uh, think about, if you can, we're going to have a little Bible quiz here. It's only one question, only one question long, and we're not going to put the answer on the screen for just a minute. But here's the question. You can talk if, if you're with a, a, a two of you or a group of you or if you're by yourself. You can jot down your answer on a piece of paper. Where in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, where in the Gospels does it say that Jesus became angry? Where in the Gospels, <clears throat> the four Gospels, does it say Jesus became angry? I'll give you about 20 seconds to jot down your answer or, or figure it out amongst yourselves, and then I'll give you the answer. So if you said when Jesus uh, cleared out the temple, when he saw that, uh, that they had made it a den of robbers, that's where Jesus became angry. Actually, that would be incorrect, although he could have been feeling that emotion uh, where that's mentioned in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel and the gospel of John. It doesn't speak to Jesus being angry. Actually, the only place in the four gospels where that is mentioned is in Mark chapter 3, the first six verses. Let me read those for you now. And again, he, that's Jesus, entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus, they being the, the religious leaders, they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, now again to the religious leaders, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill. But they remained silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Jesus's anger is perfect here. Because he's angry at a lack of trust in God. He's angry not that they, that they don't like him. He's angry that they have not 
listened to his word of life. And a hardness of heart is irritating Jesus at that moment in a very righteous way. I think it is good and is right for us when we see uh, whether, however unbelief acts its, acts its way out, acts out in our, in our lives or in the lives of others, how, however evil uh, produces itself in our culture, there, there ought to be an indignation because God's truth is being violated, because God's glory is being ignored. Simple human dignity is not being given to others but actually they're being attacked and being harmed and sometimes even killed for no other reason than bigotry or, or hatred in the human heart. There are moments when this kind of anger is very appropriate. But again, the warning here is to be careful to keep me away from evil. My heart can turn very evil in an instant and I can ignore the gospel, and I can go down a pathway that can be harmful to others. So what are some options that I can explore when uh, this evil, or excuse me, when, when this anger is in my heart? Let me just mention a few verses in this psalm. Psalm 21 says, the righteous is generous and gives. Uh, when I see injustice, am I willing to give myself uh, in an effort to, to change it? to move it in a different direction. And, to, and do I do that in generous ways? He was lending generously. His children become a blessing as my anger turns to uh, part, being part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Guess who's watching? Guess who's paying attention? If I have children, my children are watching. It teaches them to become people who, who, love, who love justice, who love mercy, who love compassion. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. We had the opportunity yesterday, Cindy and I had the opportunity to be in the Peach March uh, in Kirkwood, and I don't know how many thousands of people were there. Uh, I put some pictures on my Facebook page. Uh, there, were, there were a ton of people there, and it was so good to kind of in one voice speak for justice. Uh, that, that just was such a, a life-giving event yesterday. And that's a good way for our, our, our anger to move into a, a place of, of speaking the truth about what things ought to be. And then wait for the Lord and what? Keep his way. Does my anger and indignation over things that are wrong cause me to a, go to a deeper relationship with God myself? Or do I spend my time just being angry at other folks? I believe when that anger comes into my life, it's an opportunity for me to say, trust more in the Lord. Go to his word. Be, Tom, be quiet for a few minutes. Listen for God's voice. That's, that's refraining from anger. Thirdly, however, there's a little bit stronger word here in verse 8. We're called to forsake wrath. So we refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So again, I looked up the, the notion uh, of wrath, and here's the definition. Strong, vengeful anger or indignation, retributory punishment for an offense or a crime. What's happening here, I think, is in, in the notion of wrath, is that uh, a person uh, becomes judge, jury, and executioner all at once. So we have a word of caution 
about anger. Refrain from anger. You know, pay, pay close attention here. Be careful uh, lest it become sinful in your life. But here the notion is completely reject. Completely turn away. Why is it that, that David says refrain from anger but inspired by the Holy Spirit he says reject or turn away from, move away from, forsake wrath? I believe it's because wrath, again we said uh, wrath is a person being judge, jury, and executioner. Wrath assumes righteousness and purity of motives on my part. When I'm going to go ahead and, and, and put the judgment on you, I'm going to go ahead and, and become the instrument of judgment, I'm assuming at that moment a divine objectivity that is well beyond me. I never have the right to be wrathful with another. God says very clearly in his word, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Why is that true? Because the only place where vengeance is pure and vengeance is holy and wrath is actually a, a glorious godly thing because it is the hatred of sin in its purest form is when wrath belongs to God. You and I can be angry about things that we see around us. We can be angry about the sin in our own life. But we are never to be wrathful. We're never to be self-condemning, self-loathsome, hating ourselves. We're never to share that emotion towards others as well where we actually become agents of wrath. It's destructive in our life, and it's destructive in the lives of the people around us. Look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. And the note there of given to anger is that notion of acting on it in a way that, that, is, that is violent, that is, again, wrathful. They cause much transgression. They stir up much strife. In other words, it's just plain hurtful. Uh, I think about when my kids were growing up, and I think about how my fears could turn to anger and how that anger could become wrathful. And I'm thankful that I don't have, you know, hundreds of examples like this in my life, but I can think back in my life when, when I was wrathful towards my children. And many times in those moments when, when they occurred, I, I at some point very quickly would confess it and would ask for their forgiveness. But there were other times when, you know, some time had gone by and I would recall that and, and I have gone back to my children uh, and I've asked them to forgive me for thinking that I had some kind of divine, object, uh, divine objectivity where I could be the judge, the jury, and the executioner, that I had a purity of motives that quite frankly are well beyond me. And so the author of Hebrews, excuse me, the author of the Psalm says, uh, Remember, you must forsake wrath. And, and let me just reinforce that uh, briefly before we move on. Part of the reason to forsake wrath is because we need grace as well. Look at verse 38 in this psalm. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. We'll stop with that verse and I'll come to verse 25 in just a second. In other words, we need grace true too. We're transgressors. There's nobody perfect. There's no one who follows God perfectly. We all need the grace of God. The way your transgressions are cut off and the way my transgressions are cut off of our disciples of Jesus was at the cross. 
God didn't ignore your sin and ignore my sin. God didn't say, I'm just going to sweep it under the rug and I'm just going to pretend it never happened. God poured out his perfect, holy wrath on Jesus as he hung on the cross, taking the punishment that you and I so richly deserve in order that we may have the grace that we never could earn. And for the Christian community, especially in a moment that we are in today, calls for godly humility. I ought to start every conversation with anybody on any of the topics that are, that are racking our country with pain right now with the notion of, of, I'm one of the chief sinners, that I need the grace of God as much or more as anyone else. That moves me immediately away from wrath because I deserve to be the object of God's wrath and he's been gracious with me. And also notice the timing of this psalm. Notice what David says. And I need a little shout out to my friend Stacy Schultz who, who read that section that was assigned her. Stacy, I didn't give that to you because I thought you were old. I know you had to read that verse, but that just happened to be where your part fell. But listen to what David says. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Remember when David was an old man, do you remember what he had already experienced at, at his own decision? He decided to have an affair with a married woman to commit adultery. He then decided to lie about it and try to cover it up and pretend like it never happened. And then when he couldn't do that, he actually had her husband assassinated and then he took her to be his own wife. This is the one who, who says to us, I've learned something in my old age. Boy, yeah, I guess so. David confessed that sin to God. He acknowledged that he, he was the guy. And the Lord said, your sin is taken away. And, and David's sin was taken away at the cross, even, even though that was going to happen in the future. For David, he experienced God's forgiveness, where he could have been an object of God's wrath, and deservedly so. So brothers and sisters in Christ, we must refrain from anger, being cautious and being wise, but we must forsake wrath. Which leads me to the fourth and final observation in this text, which is really the application. So for the last few minutes, we're just going to talk application. Verse 7 says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. This is patience based on trust. I'm looking to the Lord for the ultimate judgment. I'm not going to, I'm running over a little bit, so I'm not going to do this, uh, but I'm going to show you this piece of paper. I went through Psalm 37 and I, and I just put in every line here. It says the Lord, right? The Lord loves justice. The Lord will not abandon him to his power. I would encourage you to go through Psalm 37 and look at all the places where David promises that the Lord is going to do something. If we're going to have healthy emotion of anger, it's because we're looking to the Lord ultimately for his justice. And he is the one who's going to bring it about. But also, this is a, a patience that is to be practiced. This is not sitting idly by. Verse 6 says this. Do I have verse 6 on the screen or do I, did, I, did I forget to put that in? Verse 6 says this. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. The promise there is that God is going to bring forth justice through us, 
We're going to be instruments of His justice. As God's Spirit and Word transforms our life, our actions, our activities, our relationships with other folks are going to be influences for God's justice, for God's compassion, for God's mercy, for God's love for all peoples. So we're not to sit idly by. How's He going to do that? Well, verse 3 says this, and we've already mentioned it uh, this morning. He, uh, he will, there you go, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. How are you doing good this week? How am I doing good this week? Where, where do I see injustice and how can, I, how can I bring some goodness into that? That's an active patience on my part. Turn away from evil and do good so that you shall dwell forever. Verse 27, again, that notion of I, I'm not going to participate in evil. I'm going to set my sights on being a positive, godly influence in my community. I'm going to be active in caring for the things that God cares about. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. In verse 30, the psalmist is calling us to speak up, to use our voices, to speak for God's glory, to speak glory to the one who is the author of justice, the one who, is, who has created compassion, the one who has given us these emotions, we are to speak up and to speak of his glory and, and to use our words to share his wisdom with others. And I think the reason we're able to do this is because of these last couple of verses. Verse 18 and verse 27 give us an eternal perspective. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. Turn away from evil and do good so that you shall dwell forever. Because Jesus turned away from evil, because Jesus was the perfect son of God, he could take away your sins and he could take away my sins and he could offer us what? Everlasting life. Jesus said to, to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. When we have an eternal perspective, I believe it allows us to step into the moments of our lives, moments like this one that are filled with turmoil. And again, are filled with, with more questions than there are answers, filled with, with lots of anger that some is good and, and some not so good. But having an eternal perspective allows us to, to step into these moments and to share God's wisdom, God's love, God's compassion with a community and a world that so desperately needs to hear it. So again, this morning, brothers and sisters, how are you feeling? Are you feeling some anger? Be cautious, be wise. Anger can be harmful. But godly wisdom, evaluating our anger through the lens of God's wisdom, it can motivate us. It can impassion us to good works, to wise words, and to faithful care of the world around us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you speak your truth into our lives because you care so deeply about us. Father, I know that there are moments when anger has been used in my life in a, in a positive way. It's moved me to seek to do good, to, to try to, to have some part of correcting wrongs that I see. Lord, I also know there are times when if I look at my anger honestly, it, it's sinful and, and it's hurtful uh, because it is not based on your righteousness. And so, Father, we need discernment.
We need your word. We need your spirit to, to teach us, uh, to refrain from that which would be harmful, to forsake any notion of retribution, and to seek to be those who do the goodness of God in our lifetime. So, Father, we pray that you would lead us into that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to have been together this morning. Uh, again, remember, you can stick around for a little bit of, of Q&A time. Uh, but I do want to introduce something uh, new this week to our virtual experience. Uh, every year Green Tree has been around. We've had our prayer team uh, up front after the service. I always point, you know, over there. Uh, they'll be here to, uh, to pray with you after the service. Uh, we haven't been able to do that up until this point, but now we're able to do that. Our Stephen ministers uh, have been working hard on this, and they are stepping up in a big way, and they are making themselves available for a half an hour after our Sunday morning worship service. So thank you, Stephen Ministers, way to go. And you should see on your screen right now, if you would like to pray with someone, if you'd actually like to, to, to be in a virtual uh, prayer time uh, with a Stephen Minister, you can text uh, prayer, the word prayer, to the number you see on your screen, 314-701-7991. Just text prayer, and right away, within, you know, within a minute, they'll get that, and a Stephen Minister will call you. So if you have any prayer needs at all, please uh, take advantage of that. Uh, our Stephen ministers would love to, to pray for you. And also along those lines of throughout the week, uh, you have a prayer need, uh, just reach out to the church and ask them to have a Stephen minister call you and they will get back with you. Uh, for our benediction this morning, I'm actually going to read out of Psalm 37 that we just studied the last two verses. Uh, so receive the Lord's benediction, which I gladly offer to you in his name. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. The Lord bless you. Uh, go in peace. All righty, we're going we're gonna to hang out. Javi, you, are you, you're off screen. You're not going to let him see you. But Javi is literally right over there. Uh, I, I, I need him to move up closer because I'm, I'm getting hard of hearing as I get older. And so um, he's going he's gonna to be close and let me know uh, of any questions that are coming in. So. He did, Steve Bowman. Yeah, oh, could he have done that with any other emotion? Could he have done that with any other emotion and anger? Uh, probably not in my limited knowledge, but technically the only place in Scripture where the word anger is associated with Jesus is in Mark chapter 3. So, yeah, I, I think it's safe to assume uh, that Jesus was uh, angry at that moment, but uh, for the quiz purposes, uh, it was just in Mark chapter 3. He's flying through. Should I talk a little bit about reopening, maybe, the process we're in? Why, why, why don't I just do that real quickly, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just check my notes. Uh, so no uh, announcement this morning uh, about move-in uh, dates. 
but I will tell you this, I've, and Javi's uh, on that team as well. Uh, we have been working uh, very hard, several meetings uh, just in the last week uh, with our team to uh, prepare for moving back in. So what the elders of Green Tree Community Church has asked of this little team uh, is to prepare uh, a recommendation for them to review. And ultimately the session is our leadership team here at Green Tree. They need to approve it. And so we are, we're working very hard on that process and we will have that ready for them. The next meeting of our session uh, is June the 29th. So this actually lines up really well. So we'll be making a presentation to them on June the 29th on our recommendation on based on what the county is telling us and all the appropriate protocols on how we can begin to move back into the building. Uh, and assuming that they may edit a little bit, but assuming that we have uh, agreement on that and approval, then we will be beginning to roll roll out our plans after that, but no promises of dates or times uh, or anything like that until we, we really get it nailed down. But we did want to let you know uh, that we're working really hard on that. And, you know, I, uh, the, the children's ministry folks said this morning, we really miss being together. And we're hopeful that the Lord will let that happen sooner uh, instead of later. Couple Jen Van Zee has a birthday today. And Jane Duell has a birthday today. So do we have any idea? Are the Van Zees still in St. Louis? I know Eric's on sabbatical. Are they? We don't know where Jen Van Zee is. So, so wherever you are, Jen Van Zee, uh, you might be just right down the street still. But if you're traveling already, happy birthday. Jane Duell, happy birthday. I'm glad it's, your, glad it's your birthday. I hope you have a great day. You sure have a good day to be outside. It's going to be nice and warm. Uh, but happy birthday to both of you. Okay, Clarence is asking, Clarence Lewis asked a question, and I got to get back to Psalm 37. So he says, his question is in verse 15. So let me read verse 15. Uh, their sword shall enter their own heart. Oh, so I'm going to actually back up and read verse 14. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. There, the evil person's sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Is this the Lord's retribution or what was the second half of the question? So, so Clarence Lewis's question is when we read those verses, is, is that the Lord's judgment on them or is it the Holy Spirit convicting them and they're going to, they're going to repent potentially of that sin? Uh, they're going to be, you know, shamed of, of that sin. So, uh, Clarence, my answer, I think, is that it is not one or the other. I think it's actually both and. God certainly uses the, the sin in our lives. Uh, before we come to Christ for salvation, he usually, when we see that sin as an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit is convicting us because he wants us to repent and bring us to salvation. That, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. So when I see evil in my heart before I know Christ as my Savior and Lord, if that's the Holy Spirit working on my conscience, then as he works on my conscience, he's also going to enable me to say, wow, that's wrong, that's bad. I, I, I want to get away from that. I want to repent of that, and I want to put my faith in Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So I think that's absolutely true. But I also know that it's true that, that God's vengeance will one day uh, he will balance the scales. Uh, God will, will 
give a render a, a perfect judgment. And for those who continue to rebel, who continue to be evil, they refuse to put their, their faith in Christ. They refuse to acknowledge that they're sinful and they do great harm to others. Uh, they are going to have to stand before the Lord and account for that. So I don't think it's one or the other. I actually think it's probably speaking to both. And that was a great question, by the way. Thank you for asking that question. We good? We're going we're gonna to give it just a few more seconds. Javi and I had fun yesterday with the, uh, the second graders came and got their Bibles. Javi's out there flying the drone. We'll probably see some of that later on, hopefully, right? Yeah, that'll, that will be fun. So second graders, glad to see a handful of you yesterday. Didn't see everybody, but glad for those of you that got to come uh, and pick up your Bibles yesterday. Uh, uh, that second grade team and our children's ministry folks did a, did a great job with all of that. So it sounds like we, uh, we had one good question. So that's all right. And birthdays. Well, those are all good. So I think we ought to sign off. Okay, Green Tree is great to be together. Enjoy uh, the rest of your day. Be praying. Remember, 100 yards, 1,000 prayers. If, if, if we ever need a prayer, it's now. Uh, and if we ever needed to do good in the land, uh, it's now. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. The Lord bless you.